right. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are once again talking some more Survivor 42. Dom, the Survivor 42 pre-merge officially in the books. How do you feel like it's going to this point? I didn't hate it, have to say. Uh, you know, <laughs> what, what wasn't the best, wasn't the worst, solidly in the middle. Can't complain. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's probably at least... N- Maybe not noticeably above average, but I'm going to say firmly above average. I don't think there's any case that can be made for this being a bad pre-merge by any stretch. Yeah, as I'm sure I've said multiple times at this point, I have no idea how to set my standards or my expectations for what any part of a season should look like nowadays after this this big gap between 40 and 41 and the show's uh, re- revamping its entire philosophy and, and so on. I'm just kind of going to let it be what it is and hope that that ends up being okay for me. I, I'm not going to try and project my own standards or anything onto it at this point. So I was, when you said, I don't know how to adjust my standards, my gut impulse was to say, lower them uh, or your expectations or whatever you said. But, After what we've seen out of Survivor 41 and 42 in this kind of new era, and of course, there are plenty of things that did not go super swimmingly as far as I'm concerned, but I feel like we are firmly in a position to be more optimistic than it felt like we were during the a decent chunk of the 30s, particularly the very late 30s, like I, at least personally, and tell me if you disagree, feel like I have more reason to believe in a random future season of Survivor being good than I did a couple of years ago, and that makes me happy. Yeah, I think I agree with that, but I couldn't tell you why, and maybe that's the the disconcerting thing for me. I think it's the casting is the number one thing for me, not only the obvious improvements as far as, like, ethnic diversity, but also I think they're just putting out people who are more familiar with the show, more competitive as players. And that is always, I think going to be a recipe for success is having people who actually care about not exclusively winning, but who all care at least somewhat about winning and who have at least something of a grip on what they're trying to do while they're out there to pursue whatever goals they end up having. So I think that's the number one takeaway for me is the casting has gotten a lot better and even when the producers may falter from time to time or perhaps more frequently we'll see uh, i i don't want to jinx anything or, uh, or, or next time on survivor right. as it turns yeah. out uh, based on yeah <laughs> yeah in in any event i think a, a solid cast is going to go a very very long way and i think in that respect in particular they have been knocking it out of the park these last couple of uh, seasons here and that i think maybe the number one thing i'm looking for in terms of what's going to make me optimistic about a random season in the future. Uh, Dom, a couple of weeks here to catch up on now. And frankly, I think we may be doing more looking forward than actually catching up because, well, there are plenty of interesting things to talk through, and I'm sure we will. As you have already alluded to, we have what appears to be something close to emerge kind of on the horizon here next week we'll talk about how that may shape up what if anything we may see from the kind of hourglass department or things of that nature uh so i think the way to do this is let's just go tribe by tribe here talk about what we've seen these last couple of episodes and what we may 
anticipate from the players on that within that group uh, going forward here. And because Dominic, we end up with the uh, blue team and the green team going to some votes, and I think probably having a bit more in the way of like specifics to be getting into. Let's actually start here with the orange team, uh, and I think as things stand right now. The number one question that I have as things pertain to the Orange team and probably the biggest story from them, at least these last couple of weeks, has been the extent to which it seems like Jonathan uh, may be standing out in the challenges and potentially also within just kind of the narrative of what's going on with the Orange team. We're certainly seeing plenty of the other three, but as far as that goes one thing i feel like we haven't really talked much about consider we've only done uh one podcast to this point but i think it is very noteworthy that even in a normal then i even in a normal is certainly the wrong word even in the way that survivor was generally cast for the first 20 seasons. And I don't believe that is the normal situation going forward. Uh, Jonathan, I think would still stand out as a massive challenge threat, even in a group full of uh, like muscly Macter dudes. But within this cast in particular, Dom, it's impossible to ignore uh, just what a force he has been in that respect. And, I'm curious if you think there is literally any chance, and I acknowledge how leadingly I'm phrasing this question, that Jonathan... No, the answer is no, whatever it is. That, that Jonathan can fall back into the middle of the pack, or is he just guaranteed to be a, a consensus kind of target now that we are, it appears, close to a merge? So I think there's the, the boring scenario where he is both... Uh, the most obvious target and in the minority. And at that point, it's just open season on Jonathan as soon as he doesn't have immunity. Maybe with, uh, I could see some some twists getting in the way or, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he is not one of the three question mark uh, amulet holders on the season? That is correct. Okay, so no form of protection as of right now, which uh, may be a problem uh, before too long. But in that scenario where he just gets picked off and then the others get to regroup, uh, that might be uh, a, a kind of unfortunate fizzling out to Jonathan's early uh, tribal dominance here. But I think the more interesting case, which I, I hope we get to see, is where him and the rest of his group are in whatever temporary majority comes about at the merge. And then as they get the freedom to turn on themselves without uh, sacrificing their own numbers, at that point, we now have this interesting question for the others you know the the omers and the Lindsays and the mariannes of the world of can we take a shot at jonathan now can we afford to if we botch it how bad is it for us and then we have our own power in doing so but then if we like let him get too far in the game then maybe he does just run the table and everything else going on here is a sideshow um so that i, I want to see them have to wrestle with those questions and i guess i'm cautiously optimistic that we will but uh, maybe the single most likely outcome of all of this is that Jonathan just is the merge boot because he he meets like the exact uh, t job description for that, if you like. But it could also be, if it is a repeat of last season with the Hourglass twist, we may get actually kind of what it was set up as being for Erica, even though she and Jonathan obviously are polar opposites in terms of what they're doing in the game. It may be that Jonathan is the guy who 
the first 30 minutes of the episode, we, we hear is the obvious target, and as soon as he doesn't win immunity, then his goose is cooked, and then suddenly it gets flipped around, he's safe, and now someone else has to be uh, sacrificed instead. Mm, that would be... Uh... Very interesting to me if Jonathan does emerge as kind of the big consensus target, but he is off the table for either that reason or he just uh, wins a couple of necklaces early on and everyone kind of knows that they would love to get rid of Jonathan, but it's just not feasible uh, in these early couple of weeks. And I started with Jonathan just because in trying to kind of forecast how all of this may look, it feels like he stands out to... An historic extent as far as like obvious threats at the merge go. And I guess I just kind of wanted to take the easy way out and convince myself that that is, of course, the same page that everyone else out there is going to be on, too. At the same time, though, maybe they're talking in more of a kind of pre-merge context, but I would suspect not. Uh, like even Marianne, where we have seen her not getting along all the time, uh, at the very least with Jonathan, is already during the pre-merge flagging up what an excellent shield he is. And maybe because he is such an obvious target, other people will be thinking along similar lines and be thinking to themselves, well, hey, as long as Jonathan stays in the game, I've always got someone that I can point to as like a pressing threat that if we let him make it one more round, he's very liable to run the table. And furthermore, along kind of those lines... Without putting uh, too fine of a point on this here, as, as far as I, I don't want to make this sound like it's a 100% lock, but one of the things that even in this new era, as long as we stay in Fiji, I would feel the most confident about as far as trying to like anticipate game structure if I were one of the players out there is the individual immunity challenge kind of format. I think early on, if history is any indication, we're going to see a lot of like balance slash endurance that I don't necessarily know if Jonathan is going to be as dominant uh, as he has been in a lot of these like water challenges and like very physical challenges and like your body weight matters a lot kind of challenges. I feel like if there was a time that you could feel okay about Jonathan participating in several challenges, it would be in the early post merge. But at the same time, I would also be anticipating that once we hit pretty close to the end game, we're going to transition back into some much more kind of physical challenges as far as immunity necklaces are concerned. And I would not be remotely comfortable uh, letting Jonathan get anywhere near there. So I'm holding holding out hope is the wrong way of putting it. I'm not even necessarily rooting that much for or against Jonathan uh, on like a personal note as things stand right now, but just in kind of thinking about his position within the game, I could at least see myself. Uh, I could see other people, I guess I can talk myself into other people being willing to keep him around for like the super short term. But I think it's just a matter of time before his uh, threat level to run the table in the challenges just becomes too much there. And that's totally setting aside, by the way, the presumable kind of like plethora of advantages and idols that we may see enter the game uh, a little bit later on. So I'm imagining whether it's good news or bad news for him, Jonathan's probably going to be uh, a focal point as we hit this individual portion of the game. Uh, Dom. Here's a, here's a question. And it's, it might be a tough one because it's so easy to forget about the answers, I guess. 
other people who come to mind who were very dominant in that tribal portion in the challenges and drew a lot of attention to themselves for just how good they were, but then just flopped when it came to the individual portion. And it's tough, I think, because usually if someone is on that uh, trajectory, the fact that they flop gives people the opportunity to vote them out. And so you only get to see them flop for one or two episodes before the question itself is irrelevant uh, uh, at that point. But are there people I'm forgetting who were leading their tribe to victory early and then just were able to like blend into the pack, whether by design or just because they started sucking uh, once it became uh, individual? I don't know that blended into the pack would necessarily qualify for this person, but in terms of just dominant during the team portion and not really living up to the hype, as far as individual challenges go, the first name that came to mind for me is James Clement, 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 it's French, heard it all three ways, Uh, where I believe it's the case that he never won an individual challenge despite being a very obvious beast during team challenges. James is from Louisiana, right? So it very well might be Clement. (laughs) I I think that's canon. It is. Uh, I'm sure there are other examples out there of people who... Actually, how about... Since we relatively rewatched Fiji, I feel like Earl might kind of fit that bill of at least always holding his own in the team challenges. But mm. I mean, was anyone on his tribe or otherwise on the other tribes like even talking about Earl in, in those terms? I I don't know that anyone was really too focused on like challenge performances in any respect uh, on Fiji. But yeah, I, I'm sure we are probably overlooking several obvious examples here in the heat of the moment. Suffice to say, I think it is certainly possible for people who have played or will go on to play. I think it is pretty impossible for Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I, I know there's some discussion of, can you engineer that? Can you uh, be throwing these challenges? And uh, I, I know there was some talk in relation to Tyson of, can you fake an injury? And can he try and like take himself out of commission manually that way? I think you can't because, firstly, what if you do need to win? At that point, uh, throwing seems like the worst thing you can possibly do. And then even if you are throwing or you're trying to project this image of weakness, if you stumble in doing that at all, then it becomes very transparent that this is exactly what you're doing. And then not only are you this challenge beast who needs to be taken out, you're also incredibly wolfy at the same time. And that does not seem like a, a good recipe. Right. Yeah. I I really think Jonathan, the, the cat is out of the bag to like a, his a slash N historic extent there. And actually one other name that comes to mind specifically in his first season far much less so in winners at war, but I feel like Tony might actually fit that bill of mm. always being decent enough in the team challenges. And then I think being viewed as like a joke in the individual challenges there. Uh, but yeah, I, I would imagine Jonathan will remain a name that comes out of a lot of people's mouths for as long as he is able to survive here. But uh, let me ask you, Dom about another person here on this orange team who may uh, be a, a bit more capable of flying under the radar for a while. What do you think is going to become of Marianne now that we are at the individual big group portion? See, th- this is uh, another question I have because the, the rest of the group seems to be more on the same page personality wise uh, for as much as Jonathan was getting annoyed about uh, Marianne and Lindsay yammering to each other in the shelter. Uh, 
the other three, Omer, Lindsay, and Jonathan, I think can present this kind of uh, united front in that sense. Whereas Marianne, uh, you can't ignore Marianne. If she is there, she will be heard. And so uh, she will be maybe drawing attention to the group or rubbing people the wrong way uh, if people aren't uh, delighted by her the way that I am as a viewer, I hasten to add. Um, And so it, it might be that they end up just being like, Marianne, shut the fuck up. And she is just, uh, you know, really uh, yucking their yum in terms of how they want to approach things there. I Yeah, I could see this going a number of different directions for Marianne. Uh, although I think in a pretty decent chunk of these timelines, I, I see plenty of favorable situations for Marianne going forward where maybe it will show up and I'll be blown away if she turns out to be uh, an individual immunity challenge beast. I'm certainly not ruling out that possibility uh, anytime soon, but I think if people are kind of just looking around this big group that we're presuming is going to all be (laughs) at least living on the same beach and remains to be seen how many of them are going to be eligible for elimination uh, anytime soon. I feel like the likeliest way that Marianne ends up going out in these next few rounds is if there is some kind of perfect storm of twists where she's one of only a few available names and enough people can kind of just get on board with the idea of voting out Marianne because we are worried about the orange team potentially being a a cohesive unit here. We're not actually, you know what? I guess they are not only potentially worried about Marianne having an idol. They know Marianne has an idol, right? So uh, maybe actually she could come under some fire a bit sooner than I have uh, been kind of mentally chalking up to this point, but I still feel pretty good overall about Marianne's chances to be around for a while. I think she's going to be this, uh, this wild card, both in terms of how she does things and how other people approach her more so than maybe any other single player at this point. Cause uh, I, I don't think she has, a really a really obvious tie to this group and if anything they they made such a big deal out of you know marianne's getting annoyed at jonathan or jonathan made this comment about uh you know we're this really tight four and how, how terrible how could he do such a thing and so maybe the the immediate payoff there is like we get to the merge that group splinters and then i i assume it's marianne who survives that and has to recover uh but maybe that's just this group is running the table it's the same way that uh, I want to say Luvu did last season. And which, which it's one like, is well, that? blue team. Okay. Uh, and so we, we just have to, we, we, we got to chuck in something there because we're not going to show them again for a while. And so for now, we just need to get, give any kind of hook, any uh, allusion to a, a possible conflict that we can just to give uh, people in our industry uh, something to work with. Try this on for size, Dom. We've been re-watching uh, Survivor Gabon over on the Patreon feed. If anyone is interested in uh, some bonus coverage of older seasons, uh, patreon.com slash Dom and Colin. And spoiler alert on Gabon in case anyone hasn't seen it in a little while, but a lot of that season is going to come down to Sugar just kind of perpetually being the swing vote, and that's going to drive a lot of the action within the game is pretty much everyone recognizing that at several different points along the way there. I feel like it would be a pretty fun outcome for this season if people aren't super worried about Marianne, either in the short term or in the long term. And one way or another, 
we are repeatedly finding ourselves with Marianne holding like all of the power within the game. I feel like that could be a pretty fun timeline. Love it. Yeah. Uh, So how about these other two here? We have Omer and Lindsay and I'll begin by saying I have really, really liked pretty much everything, at least that I can remember having seen out of both of these two to this point. And I would feel very, very good about them. Were it not, it seems for, the sheer kind of threat, at least that I feel like we are meant to be perceiving about the orange team being this uh, force within the game that the other two tribes know they need to be worried about once this merge now has finally rolled around. Like, I feel like if Omer or Lindsay were coming in from either of these other two teams, they would be extremely high on my winner list and still may honestly be quite high up there for me, but I do feel like there are plenty of situations where this could come crashing down on them just because the orange team may stand out as uh, a bigger threat than either of these other two teams that it seems like virtually impossible for a group to be more of a mess entering the merge than the blue team. And also seems uh, maybe things have changed a little bit after this last week, but would have said a couple of weeks ago that it seems very unlikely that any group could be more of a mess than this green team as well entering uh, a merge situation. But if they're both kind of aware of that, I could easily see the orange team standing out as a common enemy that the two disaster tribes for lack of a better term may be able to focus uh, a lot of their attention on what do you feel uh how do you feel i suppose about omer and Lindsay now entering this merge i i think i'm more optimistic than you are just because i can imagine if everyone does agree all right we got to get rid of jonathan as fast as possible if they are kind of on board with that already and they're willing to make that sacrifice then maybe the way that they ingratiate themselves is to offer him up and to almost actively form part of this new group that's turning against him. And at that point, they can kind of blend in as this tight group in the big majority, where if the rest of that starts to fall apart and the the tensions in the other groups start to expose themselves, then they can just sit back and, and wait for that to, to come to them. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's... Uh, I, I'm not too concerned as someone who would love to see the emu shirt on my screen for as long as possible i I think there's a a good chance of that this may be a weird comparison but i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to survivor ghost island where we had the navidi team uh, the purple team for people like me who are much better with the colors than with the tribe name kind of just steamroll things during the post merge and Laurel was able to kind of work her way into the inner inner circle there and to such an extent that at least I and I'm guessing I'm not alone would routinely forget that she was not just originally uh, part of the Navidi team because it seemed like she was able to bond with them and get herself to the middle of that onion uh, very, very effectively. And I'm totally with you that I feel like potentially offering up Jonathan could be a good starting point for Omer, Lindsay, and probably Marianne by extension. And I could easily see either one, frankly, of Omer or Lindsay, or potentially even both, working their way into whatever 
majority alliance ultimately ends up forming probably made up of people from both blue and green prime primarily uh and ingratiating themselves to such an extent that by the time the season is over we forget that they weren't part of that tribe in the first place hmm. yeah i i feel long story short i feel very very good uh about omer and Lindsay as survivor players i just am not totally sold on this being a, a great draw for them entering this merge here but uh yeah orange team we'll see what becomes all of the, i think all four of these people are in some very high variance situations here uh let me ask you i guess as we kind of wrap up here on the orange team who is your pick to be the last person from orange left in the game oh god uh give me i guess omer I know, I, I know the answer for me is not Jonathan, uh, but I'm on it. I could honestly see it being any of the other three there. I guess for the sake of maybe interesting podcasting, I will say Lindsay instead of Omer, but I will certainly not be surprised uh, if it ends up being Omer instead there. Dom, uh, any other developments from this Orange team these last couple of weeks that you feel like we are skipping over? Not really. I, I feel like we uh, we don't see too much of them, but it's not at the point where in other three tribe seasons and even as recently as 41, we, we were definitely saying this. Um, I don't feel like there's been some some big imbalance where like you can kind of predict the fate of one of these tribes because we're just not seeing enough of them. Having said that, though, that is why the ending of 41 felt so surprising on one level and unsatisfying on another is that we just didn't see nearly enough as we should have given that these were most of the end gamers and the winner um and so i like that we don't even need to have that debate or that conversation this time around because even if one tribe does end up really running the table in an impressive way here um we're gonna feel like we at least see or really saw enough of them in this early portion to, to justify that yes uh and 41 in general i would say is probably gonna do a lot of favors for many seasons that come at least relatively soon after it, if not extending far beyond that, as far as like even attempting to read the edit goes, I'm going to have zero confidence essentially in any of the thoughts that I think I have uh, about what the edit may be telling me after seeing the extent to which Erica was kind of under represented on the show. And furthermore, just that blue team in general that ended up making up the vast majority of the end game. They're getting by far the least kind of development during the pre-merge portion. I feel like pretty much anything is on the table there. Uh, okay. I guess it is also worth noting that Lindsay is the person on this team who has the amulet advantage. If you want to call it an advantage, we'll see how it plays out uh, in her possession. As we enter this merge, we talked a little uh, bit no, about, I, I, I don't want to call it anything. I don't know what it is. I have forgotten all details of this. And if you, if you had told me that, you could name all three of the people who had the amulet and exactly what that entailed coming to the merge. I would not believe you. I, I frankly don't believe that anyone could do that. And I almost at this point want this to be one of those uh, those threads that just gets abruptly dropped and never referenced any at any time again. And even by the time we get to the finale and the reunion, it's just this loose end that has no uh, ending to it. I would theoretically be here for something along those lines, although uh, I believe I can roll you through and potentially any audience members out there 
who have forgotten themselves. Lindsay has it for this team. High has it for the green team. Andrea has it for the blue team. And the way it works is if they all three agree to use them together, they get, I believe, one extra vote collectively between the three of them. I don't know how the decision-making gets made on who gets to cast it there. Uh, I don't think that's going to be relevant too often, and I think the producers know that as well, that it seems pretty unlikely that we're going to see all three come together for what I would imagine they would consider a pretty weak kind of uh, advantage when they could be picking each other off, and if only two of them come together I think they then get to steal a vote from someone. And then if the last person left is able to make it to the point where no one else in the game has an amulet and they haven't been used uh, at that point, then it just functions as a full blown hidden immunity idol. So I believe that is the situation we're looking at, although not a hundred percent on that. And like you, Dom, I, I would be here for the, true chaos timeline where this is something that gets presented and then we just never really see anything of it. Although I don't know logistically how that's really possible. Uh, once we get down to one person with it left, I've, I'm guessing we will probably hear uh, about that person having what is functionally a hidden immunity idol there. But I, I don't know that we're even going to need to uh, worry too much about the amulet and what it does or doesn't do and who does or doesn't have it uh, anytime in the immediate future, although certainly could as soon as next week end up uh, seeing that playing a role. But uh, regardless, I think uh, pretty good for now, at least on the Orange Tribal, though obviously feel free to bring up whatever else uh, if it becomes pertinent a bit later on. Dom, let's go over to the blue team now. And actually, let's start with Drea, who... Uh, does i'm pretty confident have the blue team's portion of that amulet advantage there she got an extra vote when she was off on ship wheel island and she now has found herself the blue hidden immunity idol the three-way idol which immediately gets activated uh good news for both her and now mike finally has his idol and uh can cast his vote again so what did you think of how, I guess to kind of mash together this blue and green team a little bit here up front, with both Drea and Mike finally now saying their phrase at this immunity challenge, what did you think of how all of this played out, where Mike was like deliberately waiting uh, to see who was going to say what before he did anything on his own? It's still not clear to me why Mike had the option of not saying anything after the precedent of sorts that it seemed like was set last season. But given that he did have the choice, I was hoping for him to follow through and to keep going with this and to just not say his phrase. Oh, both of the other two people have now exposed themselves and essentially put all of that power in his hands. So I, I felt his uh, changing of course there pretty interesting. Yeah, I was rooting extremely hard for him to go that route of just deliberately not saying it. I loved it when they initially found the idol and he and Daniel were talking about that idea of, Hey, just don't make this announcement and yeah, you won't have your vote, but at least then you'll get to the merge and have an idol that no one knows about. And I will acknowledge that given the way things seem to be going down on this green tribe, it was probably 
borderline nonsense for Mike not to say it once he knew that the other two had just said it. And it was a hundred percent chance that as long as he says it, he gets the idol. He has his vote back. And because it's such a precarious kind of numbers game over on that green team, that's probably a very good thing for him to do strategically at the same time in the spirit of rooting for just kind of chaos and carnage. I wanted so badly for him to just sit on it and not say a word just to see someone actually take that route. Mm-hmm. And what did you, by the way, think of the, are you familiar with the term potato gate? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, this is one of those uh, scandals, which I've only absorbed like third hand via social media. So I know of it, but I, I'm a little hazy on the details here, I think. Okay. So what happened here is in the preview for season 42 that we got at the end of the like reunion for season 41, they showed a clip of Tori being like zoomed in on as a voiceover read the potato phrase that was very clearly one of the activation phrases for the three-way idol and a lot of people took that to mean, okay, whoever this blonde girl is on next season, she's going to be the person who finds the three-way idol for her team. And then again, at the beginning of the season 42 premiere, they rolled essentially that same clip. Although, quick caveat uh, on that momentarily. But a lot of people were like up in arms about Tori having that highlighted multiple times and being the decoy boot in a couple of these early episodes where because we had not yet seen her go on to find this idol and say the phrase aloud, it certainly meant that she couldn't possibly leave the game. And ultimately we come to find out of course, now and seeing Drea be the one to pick this up this last episode that that was all just a red herring there and that Tori was never the person who uh, was going to find the three-way idol for the blue team. At the same time, though, people didn't know that when they were watching the episodes where Tori was the decoy boot and they were up in arms about feeling in the moment, and I think it's an understandable feeling, like they were essentially spoiled on the fact that Tori was not going to leave because of the repeated clips of her saying the potato phrase or so it seemed uh and actually wish i uh had the source here to give credit but i did see even before this most recent episode aired where we got conclusive results of it being drea who was going to come up with this potato thing some very sharp uh person out there on survivor twitter went back to the season one uh, season 41 reunion and pulled that clip and then also went back to the season 42 premiere and pulled the potato clip from there as well. And when they are strung together, it's very clearly Marianne who is reading the potato thing in the 41 reunion, presumably because her piece of paper had all of the phrases on it. And at some point along the way, she read that one aloud while the camera was rolling. And that was the voiceover that was playing uh, on the 41 reunion. And then unclear who it even was. If it was someone from this cast, it could have easily, I think been just a producer doing like a fake out 
uh, voiceover to make it look like Tori was the person who was going to find it here for this blue team uh, in the beginning of season 42 when they did the second uh, instance of showing the clip there. Point Larger point is, Dom, what do you think about what I would consider a pretty blatant, given what we've seen as far as now that we know how things have played out, kind of trolling of the audience by the producers. Dude, where do you land on if this is a good or bad thing for them to go so far out of their way to try to really strongly suggest one thing about like a conclusive result weeks before it's actually going to be pertinent? I I want to not have an opinion on this, but I feel like the, the level of discussion around this is such that the people who feel so so angry that the the CBS decided to spoil this have almost taken it upon themselves to obliquely spoil this for other people by talking incessantly about how this must have been a spoiler to the to the extent that uh, like once you see the tweets, however cryptic they're trying to be about uh, well we know it can't be X because they haven't said Y yet like using any kind of context clues you like you can fill in the gaps and then now you yourself have the forbidden knowledge which is meant to be the thing we're all angry about in the first place i I don't know it it just feels to me like even further proof that however coy they think they're being people cannot talk in any kind of responsible way about these uh like spoiler or uh semi-spoiler situations yeah i now that we've seen it play out i am very grateful that we've gotten the result that we got and clearly it is on the table that at any time in the future, whatever we think we may know about who's going to find what, because of what we saw in a preview, unless you literally see them sit reading the paper aloud, there is reason to at the very least second guess that. And honestly, Dom, because I saw uh, that clip that that very astute, observer had pieced together before this most recent episode had we done a podcast last week i was prepared to come in here and say not only do i not think tori is the front runner i would give odds to bet that someone other than tori gets it i think she is very unlikely to get it based on how far out of their way they're going to make it seem like it's essentially already in tori's possession there but i think it's now that it's all said and done while fully granting that in the moment, plenty of people understandably felt like that was kind of a spoiler in the moment. I love that this has been established as something the show is willing to do. And furthermore, I'm so grateful that I was not watching live on Wednesday night and not on Twitter uh, because just knowing myself, I'm very confident. I would have just popped in, to the search bar survivor plus potato and just retweeted dozens of tweets as all of this was unfolding from like the last several weeks of people, just innocent bystanders who have no, uh, who I would be very unfairly kind of throwing shade on. But I know that if I were watching live, I would have just been nauseatingly retweeting people who were talking about what a lock it was that Tori was going to get the potato clue. So I'm glad that I, that, that timeline was avoided. I, I'm not. That, that feels like uh, my loss and everyone else's too. I don't think many people would necessarily agree with that. But <laughs> in, in any event, uh, we ultimately now have Drea with a very full bag of tricks here between the amulet, the extra vote, and now this active blue team idol entering the merge. Uh, Dom, 
what have you made of Drea to this point, who it seems like in a tribe full of a lot of people who don't necessarily feel great about one another. It seems like Drea is at the very least holding her own, if not kind of holding court here as one of the power players. She seems like a, a woman of few words. And so maybe she and Jonathan will get along famously. You know, they, do, they don't even need to talk to have an alliance. They can just communicate through curt nods and a, a silent understanding with each other. Um, but because of that, it's kind of tough to know what to make of her too. Like, we, we don't see her having these really, like, uh, playful conversations with people or anything. She feels like she's kind of business-focused in one sense, but uh, maybe her social game, such as it is, is just, like, in a different style that is effective, but just not conventional in the way we're used to. Speaking of Drea being of few words, uh, in the Swathy Boot episode... We're going to go on to see Swathi play her shot in the dark as she's on her way out here. And in rewatching this, knowing obviously uh, how these votes were going to end up going, it was very funny to watch the scene where Swathi is like desperately trying to make a case to Drea once she feels like her back is up against the wall. She is getting literally nothing but one word answers from Drea the entire time. And I did wonder if that played a role in Swathi feeling like Tori was the person we were all not feeling great about to, Oh my God, it's me. And I need to play my shot in the dark. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's one of those red flags that gets uh, brought up a lot is when someone just won't go through the motions of having a conversation with you. And is just like, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. I don't need to worry about it. It's all fine. Uh, and not, uh, running through the details with you. But I feel like that's just how Drea communicates based on what we've seen. And so in that sense, maybe it's not a red flag because it doesn't tell you anything about her behavior, but maybe it also doesn't reassure you if you're never getting anything that uh, thorough or fulsome from her. Yeah. Uh, we'll, Drea's definitely someone I'm going to uh, at least attempt to keep a close eye on as we enter this merge. Obviously, remains to be seen what kind of screen time she's necessarily going to be getting there, but I think she could certainly uh, emerge into one of the more interesting players now that we are at the individual portion of the game here, Dom. Uh, and furthermore, just coming from this blue t team where Tori is, as far as we can tell, very eager and willing to flip pretty much ASAP, it seems like. I don't know how Roxroy is going to be feeling about pretty much anyone left on this blue team at this point after the way that that last Swathy vote ended up going down there. Uh, I feel like there's going to be ample room to play for pretty much everyone on this tribe. Uh, and in particular, not only Drea, but I also think Romeo could be a very interesting player here as we enter uh, this merge-ish kind of portion of the game where it, again, uh, kind of like we were saying about Omer and Lindsay earlier, I don't know that I've seen anything out of Romeo that would leave me anything but very optimistic about just like his ability as a survivor player. I guess in the premiere, he was the one potentially trying to sell people on not voting out Zach. But even if that wasn't just crafty editing, it seems like he's recovered very well from uh, that point. And I doubt he's going to be viewed as uh, a big time challenge threat anytime soon. He doesn't have any, advantages uh as far as i remember that people need to be worried about uh wh what do you think about where romeo stacks up here 
Yeah, for me, there was that scene in this most recent episode where it seemed like he was framing himself as Drea's mentor or something almost, where I I kind of got what he was saying, but if it comes across as like patronizing to the people that he is doing that to, then I, I could see that rebounding on him a bit. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't have a sense of how he's going to play in the wider group where you have this just like very broad mix of personalities. Um, but it, I think the people who we've seen him work with, I like, seem to really gel with him so far. So I, I guess so far so good on that front. It may be the case that I'm kind of overestimating Romeo as a player, just because at least as far as I've been able to tell, if you're on this blue team and you had uh, Zach, Swathy, Tori and Roxroy all at various points along the way, kind of tripping over themselves at the very least. Uh, I don't know that it necessarily was the most complicated situation to navigate, as long as you just kind of stay cool uh, with pretty much everyone. I don't know that Romeo was ever realistically going to be in trouble, so uh, there is potentially that factor of he hasn't really been tested yet necessarily, as a survivor player. Uh, so maybe I should be a bit more, maybe I should be reserving judgment a bit more, I suppose. But uh, on the whole, I feel like liking pretty much everything I've seen out of Romeo to this point. And when it comes to kind of making inroads with people that he hasn't interacted with yet and having them feel good about him, uh, he's one of the people who's going to be higher on that list for me uh, in just kind of looking through this cast here. Uh, so we'll see uh, what, what ultimately is going to become of Romeo there, Dom. Uh, let me ask you this. We, again, to reference the Gabon rewatch that we've been doing, recently revitalized a kind of honorary award that we used to give out many, many years ago until we just kind of forgot to keep doing it. Uh, the Wolf of the Season, which is now the Ace Gordon Memorial Wolf of the Season. Is there anyone even in contention with Tori for that title this season? See, the, the thing is, Tori presents herself in a way that doesn't come across as wolfy to me, and then you see her doing her thing and getting caught in in lies and having to like scuttle around between different people and it's like okay i i kind of see (laughs) where the problem is now in terms of just overt wolfiness and and mannerisms i mean the the dearly departed daniel strong i think clearly is uh wolf of the season front runner beyond that uh i don't know i guess roxroy is like he's sus but he's not wolfy did you see what i'm getting at there it's difficult to place a ton of faith in him, but he's not actively. It doesn't seem like he's actively scheming enough to be the wolf of the season. Yeah, he he doesn't make sense, and he's frustrating, but he's not he's not wolfy. That that term is reserved for people of a, a different uh, mentality. Right, and you you may be right that Tori, the way that she presents to the other people in the game is different than the Tory we see in confessionals or we see her big like facial reactions when she knows no one's looking or it's nighttime or whatever. And so they can't really tell. Uh, and so I may be thinking more about like the 
full picture of Tori that we're getting, at least from a TV perspective, rather than what people are picking up on necessarily when they're out there interacting with her. But I still feel like you can tell with Tori that the wheels are always kind of spinning in the back of her mind. Uh, so she is at least as things stand right now, the, the front runner for me to win the coveted AF uh, Ace Gordon Memorial Wolf of the Season Award, but still open potentially uh, to some other candidates emerging there uh tori i feel like it's going to be pretty difficult to anticipate what's going to become of tori other than it seems like she's very ready for some sort of big shake-up yeah and i think she would like to be the person bringing that about if at all possible so i, I would not feel comfortable placing any faith on her to do anything in particular yeah and as far as roxroy is concerned i don't know what it is about this dude but uh I feel like he could be another very fun person to kind of not even necessarily by his own design, find himself as a power player a couple of different times this season and a lot coming down to like who can get Roxroy on their side, I think could be an interesting sort of timeline. I feel like he's going to be in there trying to not necessarily stir the pot, but like be involved in the game and be included on whatever the plan is. And I don't know that he's necessarily going to be like an Alliance leader or whatever, but I think it could be very interesting if a vote or two comes down to who is ultimately able to get his vote going their way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, All right. So that I think, uh, unless I'm forgetting anything major here is probably going to do it for us. On this blue team, uh, Dom, let's move over to oh, actually one. Sorry uh, to not yet quite move over from uh, the blue team. Let's give some quick parting thoughts here on Swathi, who I thought uh, was a very interesting character. And as we touched on, I believe last time we were in here, I was very surprised to find out that she was only 19 years old. Uh, not that she looks much older, but I thought she carried herself not like a, a teenager. And I mean that in a very complimentary way, as far as the game of Survivor is concerned. And ultimately, it seemed like her undoing may have been getting along too well with people and telling everyone that they were her number one in such a believable way, uh, where it almost... And this is uh, a, a kind of lofty comparison to make, but it reminded me of Chilltown in Big Brother 7, where, like, if she had just used slightly different words with different people and their stories wouldn't match so exactly, I could have seen her getting away with this. Maybe. I I like the... It's almost an old-school feeling of when they just... In order to set up uh, someone's eventual boot, they just show, like every possible permutation of two different people talking to each other at some point. And that, that becomes like this rapid montage. And that just ends with one of those people seemingly at random, just getting ejected from the show uh, without much more fanfare. Yeah. I, I certainly felt like Swathi could have brought a lot more to the show in the timelines where she was able to make a deeper run in the game here. Uh, and as we'll hear in her final words, maybe we'll see her back on an all-star season, just like Boston Rob, who definitely also got voted out fourth somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> along I... the way. <laughs> and actually, before we get too far off of this, because Daniel's not going to play his on his way out. Do you have any kind of like grand theories about why the shot in the dark is coming up so much this season? Why so many people are attempting it? This might just be what we should expect from the shot in the dark. And last season was the aberration in the sense of 
mostly pre-merge. It was only Shannon Ricard, and they, uh, well, it, it was their tribe going to Tribal Council, and they did such a good job of uh, coordinating their stories and snowing people into believing that they were safe, or that even if they maybe had their doubts, that just the act of playing the shot in the dark would be seen as such an act of disloyalty that even if it wasn't them, they had now just shot themselves in the foot by doing that, and it, it was pointless in the first place. Yeah, I am very much of that same opinion, where I, I've certainly heard it heard it thrown around several times, and for whatever reason, it tilts me very hard that it keeps coming up so often. The idea of, oh, well, maybe the rules of the shot in the dark were just explained to the cast better this time. I really think it's, as you just laid out, the people who are leaving are just far more aware that their back is up against the wall than the vast majority of people were on Survivor 41. And I am uh, with you for sure that I think the average season would see a lot more shots in the dark uh, being played and would look a lot more like Survivor 42 in that respect than Survivor 41. I think we may, assuming this continues to be a thing, look back on Survivor 41 as potentially a big outlier in that respect there. Uh, I I think, for instance, all three of Zach, Mariah, and Swathi, as far as I can tell, pretty clearly understood that the shot in the dark was quite likely to be their only chance of surviving that tribal council there. So uh, who knows? We we will certainly see, I would imagine, a lot more... uh, opportunities at the very least for shots in the dark in the future. So maybe that's an area where we are better served to just kind of let a a larger sample size develop there. Uh, All right. So now we can officially move over Dom to our green team here. And it seems like we may be approaching the point where there is some sort of cohesion after uh, high and Lydia. It seemed like we're kind of on the outs a couple of weeks ago, it seems like they've done a very good job of getting Mike on board, at least if these last couple of weeks are any indication there. And I want to say that entering this merge, that might be the tightest group of three, although maybe Jonathan, Lindsay, Omer are in that discussion. What do you, where are you on just the state of the green tribe? Do you feel like they're going to try to stick together now entering this merge? I I really have no idea that I couldn't possibly begin to comment. Okay, how about this then? Are High and Lydia just a, a package deal going forward? Yes. Is there some chance that they turn? Okay, I think they, I'm with they, that. They, they might seem like the tightest, distinct pair to me out of anyone on any of the three tribes. I believe I am with that. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Romeo and Drea are potentially a lot closer than we've gotten to see on TV at this point. But yeah, I think based on what we have gotten to see, High and Lydia would probably be the top duo pick for me in terms of wanting to definitely stick together entering this merge. And I would at this point feel like Mike probably feels good about uh the two of them but could certainly see situations where he ends up deciding hey it's time to cut bait and move over to whatever this new dynamic is going to be and if high and lydia as this very clear duo are emerging as a big target then i'm very happy to uh separate myself from the two of them there uh so green team entering this merge dom uh let me ask you this uh we saw lydia go on 
the journey this week and finally get uh, a bit more screen time. I know I have been uh, a big Lydia fan, both on Twitter and on the TV show to this point. Have. Uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, at the same time. And again, bearing in mind that I am saying this is the number one Lydia Twitter stan and someone who is very much enjoying her on the show as well. I think she might simultaneously be my number one pick in a last longer kind of draft. If we were to do that, which we're not uh, because we're already running kind of long here this week, but I feel like Lydia is in at least conceivably a very good spot to go far in the game at the same time. I'm also kind of nervous that Lydia may be in the spot where she's going far because she's not viewed as someone that is necessarily going to be a big threat for jury votes at the end. And I think she might also be, uh, a top contender for if there is going to be a zero vote finalist on this season, I could certainly see it being Lydia. You could see her being your uh, beloved uh, Hannah Shapiro of this season. Yes. Uh, who else, now that this has come up, do you feel like could be in the mix for the coveted zero vote finalist role? I mean, Rockstory comes to mind if he can be <laughs> dragged that far. Uh, beyond that, Hmm. He was, for the record, uh, in thinking about this the other day, Roxroy was the other kind of standout that I could see going that direction. I also wouldn't be blown away uh, if Marianne found herself in that position as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and as far as just a pure last longer with no bearing on whether or not they win the game, but just to make it the furthest without being voted out, anyone jumping to mind for you besides potentially Lydia in that conversation? Just from this uh, green team? From any of the teams. Oh, from any of the teams? Just your mm. only goal is this person does not get voted out. and Winning has nothing to do with it. Mm. I, if just for that alone, I, I want to say Romeo. Okay, I think that's also... Uh, is certainly defensible, if not very good pick as well. Uh, I think this, honestly, both of those conversations may be more worth having after we see, I don't know, one second of how this merge uh, dynamic is going to look. Yeah. All right. Uh, So maybe we'll return to that in the future there. Uh, But hi and Lydia, I certainly am liking a ton just as TV characters and the way that they've been playing to this point. And again, want to be very clear for like the third time that uh, I, I am by no means someone who is anti-Lydia by any stretch there. We, we, we okay. know. How could anyone construe any, any of what you're saying as being anti-Lydia? There is no limit to the extent to which Survivor Twitter will take things both out of context and operate as if the worst conceivable interpretation is what I mean. So I'm just covering all my bases there, Dom. Uh, but yeah, I, I think both of them could... Uh, be very, very interesting entering this merge as well. And could also potentially uh, find themselves like kind of on the radar if they are viewed as just too tight of a pair there. One of the most interesting people to me, as we now enter this individual portion, having, I don't know how narrowly, but at least somewhat narrowly just survived that last vote. What do you think about Chanel, who it seems like if we were to stay in this 
in these three separate teams would probably be uh, the next one to go if Green like were to go back to a tribal council, but it seems like that's not going to be the case. Uh, and with that in mind, I feel like Chanel might be kind of the ultimate free agent here. Yeah, a free agent who knows that they ought to be a free agent and is so chaotic in a way that they can't like do that quietly and that that is the recipe for perfect tv in my book so uh long may that continue yeah i i very much hope that we get to see and hear uh a lot from chanel in these coming weeks uh if not for the duration of the season because i think she's been a very interesting player to this point certainly seems eager and capable of uh mixing things up and liable to make some uh highly i mean interesting is the wrong word like ramp up the variance in the game is what i'm saying i I feel like she could be uh, a real straw that stirs the drink here potentially on this survivor 42 post merge and honestly uh, a very high variance just player herself in terms of how that may go for her but i really eager to find out which direction she ends up wanting to go here uh dom how about Mike, uh, who now has this newly activated idol? Let me start with this. Do you like Mike as a TV character? Yes, I like Mike. If I could get one of those uh, like Eisenhower-style mm. buttons, I, I would uh, firmly pin it to my lapel. Are you aware of the Stan Mike Turner backstory? I dare I ask. I, I, I So let me preface this by saying I think it's very possible that I'm butchering this story. But Mike, like, in one of the early weeks of, like, maybe even just after the premiere, went on Twitter and saw, like, all the love that he was getting, but was confused by people, were by why people were saying Stan Mike uh, from the, like, he he didn't know what Stan meant. And now has changed, has learned and changed his Twitter handle to say Stan Mike Turner. Uh, I probably not retelling this in the most hilarious or captivating way, uh, but very good stuff there on social media by Mike and Mike, the TV character for me is doing it as well. I think he's been uh, a lot of fun to this point. I suspect he's probably going to, if he has his way, want to stick with at least high and Lydia here and potentially kind of stick with what's been working, keep the game more simplified. But uh, Mike, I could see, especially now with an idol being uh, an active kind of presence within the game. And again, just a a very fun person to watch play survivor. Uh, And furthermore, has the coveted New Jersey factor going for him, where just anyone from New Jersey, and uh, Lindsay's in the same boat for me as well, as I think I laid out on the last podcast we did, always going to be keeping an, an extra eye, my third eye, I suppose, Dom, on anyone from New Jersey, just given their recent history as Survivor players there. But yeah, uh, Green Team, overall, a, a very fun tribe to watch everything go down with during this whole pre-merge and could easily see any of the four of these people becoming big time power players. Now that we are all one big tribe here, uh, Dom with this two hour episode coming on Wednesday, where do you land on the likelihood that we are going to see the hourglass again in at least roughly the same kind of capacity that we saw it last season? It seems depressingly likely, and in the same way that uh, 
the players have not had time to watch 41 and to see how the twist played out there and then to carry that forward to their own season. The producers, uh, you know, they, they logged in the same set of twists for 41 and 42. And even if they were more open to feedback on these twists, and it seems like they really ever are, um, like, we were going to be inflicted with the hourglass twist again on this season if that's what they decided going in. You know, even if it bombed horribly on 41, which I would argue it did. So I I feel we are being set up for the, you know, the typically the most important episode of the season, once again, being stretched out and warped and tainted by this just unnecessary wrinkle being thrown into it, which doesn't accomplish what they seem to want it to. I'm holding out some hope that there will be tweaks to the hourglass the same way that we've seen some of the other advantages that were present in 41 slightly modified uh, to hopefully make for a more interesting game, more fair game up perhaps in this case and more interesting TV. And incidentally, if we do end up seeing it modified big time, shout out to Danny in particular for really letting Jeff have it. Uh, And I'm totally on board with that. The idea that Jeff, the host of the show actively lying to the players about what's at stake, especially as things pertain to an immunity challenge is essentially a genie that can just never go back in the bottle. And even if we end up seeing some sort of modifications to how this works, I still think Jeff and the whole production crew deserves in pretty much every future season for people after he explains the rules of any immunity challenge to raise their hand and ask is this for real or might this get hourglass? Like that is 100%. I think a totally fair, if not mandatory question in these, uh, at least upcoming kind of recent, uh, seasons that if I were a player out there, at least I would be perpetually worried about that. And without wanting to too much, uh, piss off the producers, would hope to get some sort of clarification from Jeff uh, as often as possible to make sure that that sort of thing was not in play. But I also, uh, like you, Dom, share the concern that they may not have a really accurate grasp on just how bad uh, this sort of thing was in 41. And we may just see essentially the exact same thing we saw there, but uh, holding out hope that that will not be the case. We'll find out wednesday night uh one way or the other there so actually one final thing i suppose before we wrap this up here dom uh in talking through the green team much like in talking through the blue team forgot to actually get takes on the person we ended up just losing here from this tribe in this case uh we end up with daniel being eliminated now it did seem like prior to a couple of twists clashing with one another at like what would ultimately prove to be the exact wrong time for Daniel. We saw him go from pretty clearly one of the swing votes within this group who was probably not realistically going to be in jeopardy anytime soon. If we want to go back to the round where Jenny was eliminated to kind of twisting in the wind and scrambling and finding his way out of the game very quickly here. Uh, Dom is that a good thing or a bad thing that the twists had that kind of effect on the way this green tribe ultimately ended up playing out? I would say it's a bad thing, but if you 
it feels like if a twist can never have an impact that big, then what is the point of having a twist, right? Like if if the game ought to be shaken up and unpredictable, then the game should be shaken up and unpredictable sometimes. And that's going to mean that someone who was in a good spot and arguably playing a good game, although I don't know if I would even say that about Daniel at this stage, someone like that is going to be an unfortunate casualty of it. Um, I, I tend to think that based on what we saw uh, in the last few episodes and based on the exit press and you know really everything else, that eventually that was c- going to catch up to him, that he was going to keep double dipping and eventually there was going to be some big blow up as a result. And yeah, I, maybe that would have made for a really fun post-mode episode instead of uh, just this kind of tragic, just short of the the merge ending instead. But I, I think that was only a matter of time. The, the question was when rather than if. So I really, really enjoyed the episode, despite loving Jenny and hating to see her go. I thought that was, as far as I'm concerned, the standout episode from this pre-merge, and it's worth acknowledging that that would not have gone down that way were it not for this cavalcade, if I'm using that correctly, of twists uh, all rearing their ugly heads simultaneously. And, of course, Chanel's decision off on Shipwheel Island ended up playing a massive role in that as well. But to be fully results-oriented, I really like... Mike, I really like Hi. I don't know if I've mentioned this yet, Dom. I'm a big Lydia fan, uh, so I'm happy to see them benefit from this. And while I personally don't love that these totally random kind of chaos factors resulted in, as far as I can tell, a completely different outcome than would ever, wise, would ever otherwise have happened with this green group during the pre-merge, I certainly am willing to acknowledge that a very strong case can be made that that turned into much better TV and a more rootable, potentially, kind of group of people left. So uh, from that perspective, I don't hate it as much as I feel like uh, a lot of people out there may. Uh, so very ready to eat those words when a bunch of other twists end up really irritating me uh, a little later on. But I do feel like this green tribe in particular is despite a long history of horribly thought out twists, destroying a lot of survivor episodes and potentially even seasons that would have otherwise been much more interesting in this one isolated case. I do think this is kind of, a valid counterpoint to the idea that the twists really are uh, from time to time, at the very least going a long way in making the show pretty interesting there. Uh, Okay. Dom gun to head right now. We're about to merge. We got 12 people left. Who is your number one winner pick both in terms of who you think is in a good spot and could potentially convert and furthermore who you want to see. And it can be the same person, but hopefully not. Why hopefully not? Because that's more interesting than if if you also (laughs) think, uh, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. You you want me to be torn in my heart between, you know, but okay. okay, It's no fun for me unless there's like a great deal of inner turmoil for you. I don't know how you haven't picked (laughs) up on that yet. I was just hoping you changed, but I, I see we, uh, you know, some things never change. Uh, okay, give me, hmm, give me Lindsay for who 
just I think w- will be my winner pick. And then in terms of rooting interest, I mean, nothing against Lindsay. Kind of like what I see so far. But give me, I, I got to go with my emu. Give me Omer. Okay. Uh, I'm really trying to contain myself uh, from going too overboard with Lindsay at this point, but I am a very big Lindsay fan. Uh, and why does that not surprise me? Yeah, thank you. I, that's why I'm trying to contain myself, Dom. I, I need to let that evolve more naturally. We'll we'll see. Hopefully, a lot more of Lindsay uh, in the coming weeks. Here, I think those are both very fine picks. I think. Uh, just for the sake of deviating from what you just said, I guess I'll begin with my rooting interest pick. I still, just because of the way that uh, initial green team tribal council went down, I think I'm still going to roll with high as my rooting interest. Number one favorite. I really loved that and have loved what I've seen out of him ever since. And then I feel like there are plenty of, defensible directions to go as far as very conceivable winners on this season. I, I frankly feel like virtually no one is drawing dead at this point with maybe uh, a couple exceptions in there. But as far as if I had to bet on someone, I think I'm going to go for Romeo as things stand right now. Uh, although obviously very ready to be wrong in a major way. If we show up, I, I, very open to the possibility that Romeo's gone as soon as like next week uh, in, in some timelines here. Uh, but really liking what I've seen out of him. And I feel like he's probably not going to stand out too much anytime soon. So uh, Dominic, I'm sure there's you know, plenty that we've skipped over uh, just because it's been a little while since we've been in here and so much has gone on. Uh, but I really feel like this upcoming two hour episode and we can finally see, what sort of dynamic emerges, what sort of factions potentially form here now that these teams of 4-4-4 and have all come together. Uh, We'll probably have a lot more information after we see this round that I'm reluctant to call emerge, but we'll call emerge for the sake of this conversation play out. Uh, Until then, any other fire takes that you wanted to get out there? Uh, None whatsoever. I'll leave them all to you. Okay. Uh, No, I I think uh, I am good on this week as well excited for wednesday night of course dom is on twitter at dom hrv i am on twitter at colin stone one more time uh we have the patron feed with gabon rewatch going on right now plenty of other classic seasons uh already covered episode by episode in full over at patreon.com slash dom and colin i can we commit dom to finding a time to do this after this next two hour episode next week uh yeah, sure. Let's okay, do it. you sound very convinced. So, all right. Uh, hopefully, going to be back in here to break down how all of that ends up playing out and whatever becomes of the hourglass or God knows what they're going to throw at us here. But that, I believe, is going to finally do it for us. Thank you for making it this far. We will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody.